and trains, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectrum. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home, walk home, walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, episode number eight of this brand new podcast. want to thank you guys for tuning in uh, via TuneIn or SoundCloud and on iTunes. want to remind you guys, you can find me on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. In addition to that, you can tweet me at Wade Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, you can find me on the gram, dwade909. So all of those ways you can reach out and touch me, and we'd love to get any of your feedback on what you heard so far and what direction you'd like to uh, hear us go and what more you want to hear of. Do you want to hear more about your city, your town? We certainly want to, again, accommodate any of you from around the country uh, in your uh, sports talk taste, as it were. Uh, hadn't been able to uh, do podcasts as frequently as I'd like because I've been a bit under the weather. And, of course, you can hear it in my voice now. But we press on in my Michael Jordan-esque performance as I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dehydrated and I have the flu. But I press on to give you guys some good sports talk. Well, as I come to you tonight, want to welcome in a NFL veteran, a guy who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, went to two Super Bowls. He's a Houston native, went to Baylor University. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Santana Dotson. How are you, Santana? I'm good. I'm good, Devin. Thanks for having me, man. How's it going? I mean, it's going great. You've been a guest many times. Uh, on my show here at where on at KTSU 90.9. Yes, definitely. So I certainly appreciate uh, you coming through whenever. And I, I, you know, I think we've developed quite a uh, a good friendship. Nice here, rapport. Even yes. though I didn't get the Christmas card, but we won't it's, talk it's, about that. You didn't get that. Uh, you do cons? Oh what? man, uh, is it Kwan? I mean, Oh man, you um, didn't get it, man. Uh, well, it was in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, I, I'm glad to have you here because it's divisional playoff time. So yes. We want to get into those things and talk a little bit about it. I know you went to two Super Bowls, and Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about, I mean, for us on the outside, what is the biggest difference? When the the calendar turns and it gets to be playoff time, what is it really – what is that work week like? Do do many teams try to stick as close to the routine as possible? Is the conversation uh, a little bit uh, more serious or intense? Are the practices a little bit more intense? What is it like? Especially coming off a of bye week, what what is that week like for an average NFL locker room? Well, you know what I I played I uh, went to two Super Bowls like you spoke about Devin and I played for a great coach uh, mentor by the name of uh, Mike Holmgren and he was a descendant or a disciple of uh, Bill Walsh. So whereas a lot of teams may pick up the physicality and in going into the playoffs, you have a lot of players that are beat up, banged up, and Mike always wanted the speed and efficiency in practice, if I'm making sense. Right. But not so much, hey, bang, hit them, hit them hard, hard, hard. So you may talk to some guys that played. I heard a lot of things about the Cowboys back when Jimmy Johnson, you know, played and Parcells when the Giants were going to Super Bowls that they said the physicality of the the game and the practices really picked up and ramped up. 
But really, Mike was not one for, he didn't like standing, he didn't like meandering, he didn't like guys sitting on their helmets, things like that. Right. He wanted everybody focused in practice and really practicing fast and efficient. So I think that was the biggest thing. Besides that, on an individual basis, you know, there's a lot more film study. Uh, there's a lot more rehab. So, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody has something that's a little bit hurting, whether it's an ankle, a knee, or a shoulder. You're getting a little bit of head, uh, more preparation for it, a little bit more ice on it, just trying to make sure when you get to game day, you're putting your best foot forward. I have reluctancy in picking the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, and, and I have trouble with any team that ha- doesn't have playoff experience. What did you learn, say, the the first time? Did you go uh, in your playoff runs? Did you guys go to the Super Bowl your first time in, or how many how many playoff runs did you have before you actually reached the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, my first year, you know, I was a, I played in Tampa for four years. There were no playoffs when I was there. I think our best season was five and eleven. So my first year in free agency would have been ninety six, and we stepped right into the Super Bowl. In 96. So had that team, prior to you getting there, had they had a playoff run? Because I, I don't remember. Yeah, definitely. I, I, uh, Green Bay, bef- prior to me getting there, had been to the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, so you were a complimentary there. piece for a team that was all, had already built towards going. Exactly, exactly. Right. You know, and, and, and that's kind of one of the things I remember my first time there. as a, Coming in as a free agent, you looked at it, and actually Green Bay had lost – uh, the year prior to two in the NFC Championship, they had lost to uh, Dallas and Emmitt Smith. And uh, I remember coming in, and you come in as a guy that's, you know, 24, 25 years old. You're like, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl next year. And I remember the D coordinator sitting me down and saying, you know, Santana, they are no logical next steps. So basically just because we made it this far the year right. before it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean automatically – you know, you got to climb but, that fence all over again. But something comes with that playoff experience, I believe. Now, you yes. tell, tell me, I mean, if I'm wrong, you tell me, and maybe that'll alter my pick, although I will never, ever pick the Dallas Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I think definitely um, you want to be battle-tested and playoff-tested. The, the, the biggest thing in the playoffs is the speed of the game picks up, as crazy as it sounds. Also, the margin of error. You know, if you just think back to what we saw this past week in the in the wild card round, the margin of error, if the, whether it's a turnover or a missed assignment, or I'm thinking back to the Green Bay game when you had the um, the kick returner that stepped out of bounds on the six. You know, the things that happen with field position that people really don't watch and take pay attention to, things like that. Those are egregious errors in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and people take advantage of them because you're going against quality defenses, quality offenses. You know some of the top quarterbacks and top defenders that we talk about on a weekly basis. So the margin of error in the playoffs is the biggest thing that you don't want to be that guy, that person that messes it up. And I say this uh, about uh, the 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 Oilers all of those years, and because we're based here in Houston, I thought because they didn't invest enough. In, and they'll talk about, well, you didn't have tight ends on the team, and that hurt your special teams, which in turn hurt your field position. Well, what really happened was a lot of guys were getting paid, and Bud cut corners. Bud Adams, the owner at the time, yeah. cut corners in with the kicking game, mm-hmm. and that cost them, and in special teams. Eventually, they brought in the, the veteran, the, the superstar, Mel Gray, but that, yes. that was towards the end, and you know the runs were over. Uh, at that point. So I know that that's a big deal. 
What about this aspect? A number of rematches in this round of playoffs, teams that played each other in the regular season. How does that affect uh, the the game? I, I, some of the games happen really early in the season. You look at the the Texans going to New England. That happened in week three, no Tom Brady. Yes. But what difference does it make when teams – have a rematch again you know you you look at those you look at those uh competitions that happen early in the year and it's more so personnel who was on the field who wasn't on the field and situations possibly what did they do if i'm a defensive player and we had a 4-3 front or we ran this blitz what exactly happened or did the quarterback or what adjustments did they make when we ran this blitz or this certain set You'll look at that. Besides that, it's a whole totally new game. You know, it's a new arena, a new place. You know, you have a new chance or opportunity to get that victory. You know, um, when Dallas played Green Bay earlier this year, I believe that was Ezekiel had 160 yards, and it really wasn't much of a game, and it was in Lambeau Field. But that game's going to be completely different this upcoming game. You know, so the playoffs is just a different beast, and I think that's why everybody enjoys watching it. You know, it's not a two, three, seven-game series. It's you got 60 minutes to hash it out and figure this thing out. On my show, I call it Keep It Real Radio. Yeah. And so this Keep It Real podcasting here. Uh-huh. Uh, you, let's let's go to something before we get into the games, because I certainly want to get into those. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. I am not a, a, a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan because, I you know, some of the things that he does – I mean, he's a typical, the next generation of the diva wide receiver, mm-hmm. essentially. But the media is creating this whole thing about the wide receivers taking the trip to Miami and taking the, the topless photos uh, on the uh, on the boat. And it's just so, so stupid. And and this is, this is the cop-out the media guys are, are doing. And you'll hear these guys say this. Well, people are going to say... That you know the trip to Miami cost them. Can you please pl- provide some perspective for folks so they know how ridiculous it is that he went out on a Monday and they didn't play until Sunday? I mean, talk a yeah, little bit it, about it, that. It's 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 definitely a ridiculous uh, issue as far as Odell going and hanging down in South Beach for 24. I think what sounded like it was about 18 hours and then flying back up to New York. You know, those things happen all the time. You know, I, I I played, and, you know, I always have – I always try to give room for error. You, you're dealing with a young man that's 22, 23, 24 years old. That is the old. point. You, don't, you can't rap you know, 25 and, and 24 years and bubble rap and say – Exactly. Stay. I, I used to hate this, and not to interrupt too much, but I used to hate it when the, the, you have owners come out and say, well, they need to stay in. Man, you are 70 years old. You can't even relate. You can't even remember what you felt like at 24 and exactly. 25. It's brand new to them, you know. Um, and I always, you know, even my rookies when I was a player, you know, I would tell them, make sure they're getting their rest. I knew they were going out because it was new to them. Hey, they're single guys sitting at home. And, you know, what? I got a day and a half, two days off. I'm going to run to South Beach. Or when I was in Green Bay, they were going to run to Chicago right quick or catch a quick flight home and come back. And I always told told them, make sure you're being professional. And you got to give them guys room for error. And I say this, that I've played with guys, even when they were veterans, that would go to South Beach and hang all night and still come and perform. I, I hung out with guys that would be in Bible study and still go out and perform. I, I hung out with guys that would take their wife to dinner on Friday night and still perform. So at the end of the day, it's all about you performing. But when you're 23, 24, 
you're still trying to figure out where your comfort zone is. Right. The, yeah. is, the issue with guys now is that happened when I played. It happened before I played. It's still happening now. The issue with guys now, it's all about how many follows and how many likes I can get. Why would you even need to post it? You if, know, you don't, it don't, if you do it, if you do it, go do it and have you, a good time. If you're about Enjoy that life, be about that life. Yeah, yeah, if you're about that. But see, when you start <laughs> posting it because of, we're in this social media age of, you know, how many posts and how many people can I get to follow me and all that other stuff, then it becomes an issue because everybody's looking over your shoulder. But those same boat trips and everything else happen. It's been happening forever. Well, my thing is, what did the defense do that week? Because they didn't show yeah, I don't up. think they were they on the boat. 38 points. Yeah. <laughs> so where did they go? Did right. they go to Atlantic City? Well, I mean, what did they do? Because, you, were, you I mean, and again, Odell has some drops in that game. I, one or two of those drops would have been very difficult catches, but I think he set the bar so high and the, the bars, expectations yeah. are so high. But I, And then the whole thing about him putting a hole in the wall, you know, in the locker room. Let me tell you this. I was on the on the road calling uh, Texas Southern football many years ago, mm-hmm. several coaches ago, mm-hmm. and there was a call at the end of the game, and we were robbed, yeah. really, really robbed by the officials. And they tore the press box up to the to, so much so that the school had to be reimbursed for the damage done to the press box. It was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, if that's happening with the coaches, you understand that you know the intensity of of what happens. And people, I mean, I know that happens mm-hmm. all the time in yeah. all sorts of locker rooms, fights and arguments and and bashing the lockers and all kinds of things. All the time, you know, and, and you know, it, it reminds me. You know, Odell's issue remind me a lot of a guy by the name of Cam Newton's issues early in his career. They almost seem like sore losers at times when things like that happen. What what I hope for them as they mature is they understand the valley as well as the hills. You're never as bad as you think you are. You're never as good as you think you are. It's all about being consistent. You know, if you're going to put that pressure on yourself, if you want to be the guy then, yeah, you need to make those catches in Lambeau Field when it's six degrees regardless. You know, but I just think it's it, – there's an evolution that needs to happen, you know, and I hate that they're so hard on themselves uh, when they lose a game like that. Because I really think championship teams, they lose and they lose together. But at the same time, you're the hardest I've ever been on myself is in a winning situation. The hardest a coach has ever been on me and my comrades is when we won a game. Because when you really start looking and cleaning out your proverbial kitchen after you've won a game, a big game, hey, that was great. We just beat this team, but – there's a bunch of stuff we need to clean up around here. Right. Then you're really talking about being the championship caliber team. Now I know you you had a calming effect in your locker room in, in the Green Bay days mm-hmm. when you because you Reggie not once but Reggie mm-hmm. White. Yeah. Um and 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 I'm sure that he sort of controlled a little mm-hmm. bit the atmosphere in the locker room. But who was the who was the fool? Who was the guy that that had to bang his head against the wall or? Uh, you know, what What was some of the things, moments before you go out, I know on the lower levels of football you had guys throwing up or guys hadn't go to the restroom. Or, uh, as you get to the NFL, and especially, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about playoff football. Yeah. What What is that locker room like just before you go out? Well, you know what, I mean, there's, there's um, the playoffs might be the calmest or quietest locker room there is, and you wait for some of those things to wake it or crack it up because it's such it's such serious and you have such seriousness and everybody's focusing on going out and putting their best effort but you know a couple of stories that come to mind is that we had a great strong sound linebacker out of Clemson by the name of Wayne Simmons and I remember we had a hard time beating the Cowboys we had a two three year drought when I first got to Green Bay 
And I remember we were banged up, had a lot of injuries, and we lost to them in Texas Stadium. And uh, we got to the the locker room, and he was throwing a fit. It was helmets flying, shoulder pads flying. And the craziest part was all you heard Wayne yelling was, I want to call my mama. <laughs> Somebody call my mama. Call my flickety-flick mama. And they had to, before we broke the team down, they had to get his mother on the phone to calm him down, to calm this grown man down so we could break down as a team. You know, and we laughed about it, but it was a serious nature right, right then when it was happening, you know. You know, uh, so it's it's a lot of stories. You know, we had a linebacker by the name of Brian Williams. Uh, he's out of Dallas, went to USC, and Brian would get sick. You talk about kids growing up, throwing up in high school. Brian would get sick before every game. <laughs> and the, he, we would go to pregame meal, and he would eat the same meal, some of everything. And then two hours later, he would throw it all up before the game. <laughs> but we'd all, we would all listen out because we knew when beat up, when Brian started throwing up, we were ready to play. It was time to go. <laughs> now, you, and now, you played in two Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, I'm one of the ones that I would watch. I think it's gotten too much, uh, too popish. But before, when you watch pregame coverage, and, and obviously it's, it's too much. I mm-hmm. mean, five, six hours. It's yeah. just it's too much for any one game. Yeah. But. You know, it's the last football game of the year, and you just and this is before NFL Network. So when it was the last, well, you had Pro Bowl, but Pro Bowl didn't count. But yeah. it, that was it until mm-hmm. the draft. And you watch those things, and you hit up the, the 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 stories and the backstories and the the human interest aspects of it, and you just think about if anybody ever played football, you have had that thought on that Sunday of what would it be like? It's like. It's such it, you can take yourself to a very uncomfortable place because you're thinking about everybody you ever knew, whoever heard your name, will be watching this game. You know, yeah. you're talking about three to five hundred million people around the world mm-hmm. watching this game. The magnitude. This is something you dreamed of over your whole life. How do you keep your heart in your chest? I mean, I know it's a little easier when you can control your motion. You, you know, you can control what happens on the field by getting out there hitting somebody, but it has to be a moment and you uh, oh my God moment like yeah. whoa, this is this is a bit much. I mean, you know what, I I think it's almost the week leading up to you realize how big and major it is. You know, I've always been a sports fan. You know, when you're getting introduced for the game, going back to the Super Bowl, you know, your question about the Super Bowl, when you're getting introduced, <laughs> we got introduced defensively. And uh I remember thinking about my family. You know, I always think about my family first. I I just knew that my mom and wife at the time were up in the stands crying. And I talked to them afterwards. They said, yeah, we were crying. We were so excited for you. So I knew they were crying. And then you see you spot different people in the stands and things like that because it's a who's who in the stands. It's real commercial at the Super Bowl. So, you know, I remember seeing James Brown and uh, a whole bunch of entertainers on the sideline, MC Hammer, all those folks, you know. So it's almost like the who's who. It's a checklist, then you have to go to work. Um, but I think really, and, what, and you see these people, what in the warmups when you're out there on the field before you, yeah. At what point do you are you able to kind of look around during the warmups and maybe in between the TV breaks? You know, the TV breaks that gives you, that, that gives you a, a good time to kind of scan the scan the scene and see everything that's happening. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of fanfare that goes with the Super Bowl, and it's the biggest game. I, I remember specifically though the week of uh, we played in New Orleans. 
And me and one of my teammates were in the French Quarter, so this had to be maybe a Wednesday or Thursday before we got close to the big game. So we were coming out before coming out of the French Quarter when everybody else was going in. And um, we saw a guy by the name of Ray Nitschke. So anybody right. anybody that's a Number football 66. fan knows yeah. Ray Nitschke, and you know being a being a Packer and knowing the longest he was a, yard, the longest yard, <laughs> yeah, knowing he was an ex-Packer <laughs> and one of the most uh, famous Packers that ever played. Uh, I remember him calling my name and Gilbert, Gilbert Brown's name as we walked out. And he's like, hey, Gilbert. We turned around and Ray Nitschke is calling us. He's like, you guys are winners. And not only did he say that, the look on his face was like a six-year-old at Christmas. You know, just, you know, just the excitement that he had for us. And when we could tell that everything that exuded from him was like, you know, the pack is finally back. You know, when we look at each other, me and Gilbert looked at each other. We're like, hey, we ready to, we ready to kick some butt right now. Ray Nitschke just called us winners. That's it. That's all we needed to hear. You know, and we were ready to go. So you start understanding the magnitude, especially when you're a Packer, that, you know, it's not just the 53 guys that are in that locker room, but the, the tradition and the legacy year in and year out that you're representing. And that's almost unique. Uh, maybe you have a little bit of that in Pittsburgh. Maybe you, ha- you have some of that in, in – in Dallas, yeah. and maybe the New York Giants, but I think the Packer, the culture around the, the Packers is totally unique to the NFL. You're exactly right. It's one of those original franchises. It's cold as anything. You got a you got a city of a hundred and hundred and twenty thousand people. You have a stadium that holds right at eighty thousand, if you follow me, and you have a thirty six year wait for a season ticket. So this is what this is the dynamic you're dealing with. And then you go somewhere where there's a new franchise like L.A. In L.A. where they have 8, 12 million people and the stadium's half full their first year in existence. So it kind of tells you the dynamic. And I don't even know. I would dare to say that the city of L.A. might have population, might have more people in it than the whole state of Wisconsin. Yeah, you probably right, I'm sure. And you know, What about Kyle's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kyle's might be one. one. But, you know, and... (laughs) And, you know, to a man, every time I go back to Green Bay, I Which bring is a lot, right? all the time I'm up there and I bring family and friends. You know, I tell folks, you don't have to be a Packer fan. <laughs> you don't have to be a Packer fan to respect and appreciate people that have love for football. And to a man, every time I send somebody to go watch a game in Lambeau Field, they call and talk about how gracious the fans were, were how appreciative the fans were. How fans were offering them bratwurst and you know giving them things because the weather was cold to stay warm and stuff like that. They just are there to enjoy the game and enjoy the football experience. Well, we're going to take a brief time out, get a, get a little, little dance break in, come back on the other side. We're going to start breaking down some of those games and get into those games because it's exciting. Uh, you, Let's we're do starting it. to wind down, wind uh, down, and then. Of course, everybody will come on by coming here to the city of Houston. want to remind you guys, you're tuned in to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, the TuneIn app. And, of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group and at Wade Word on Twitter. And we'll be back after this. Turn up the volume. 
bass, check out my melody, hand out a cigar. I'm letting knowledge be born, and my name's the R. AKI am not like the rest of them, I'm not on the list. That's what I'm saying, I drop lines like a scientist. My melodies in the cold, the very next episode. Had the mic off and distorting, ready to explode. I keep the mic at Fahrenheit, freedom's easy to make them cola. The listener's system is kicking like Welcome solar. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Like Here with uh, NFL veteran uh, Santana Dotson, Stoney and Gates uh, Lions. For those of you in the around the Houston area, you know how significant uh, that is. It seems like you played for uh, a couple of things that, uh, you know, wherever you played, there's a sort of a, a different type of tradition. I know Baylor's sort of like that. Mm-hmm. Not so much in Tampa, but I, how did you like the, the, your time in Tampa? You know, Tampa, uh, it was an interesting dynamic. There was a lot of talent. Uh, and I always tell people it was, some teams are stuck with the loser's lament. We were very talented Hardy across Nicholson. the board. Hardy Nickerson, Broderick Thomas, Keith McCants, the list goes on and on. Greg Anderson, Vinny Testaverde, all these guys typically at one point or another excelled in their craft and made a Pro Bowl, uh, had big influences and impressions on, if not at Tampa, at other teams when they left. Uh, Warren Sapp, Warwick Dunn, list went on. John Lynch, all those guys were my teammates. But Sapp came, he was, but he was, he had to be really yeah, young. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, we we played a year together, and then I moved on. So to he Green was Bay. a rookie. He was a rookie. I, I mean, I'm sure you had a yeah. had a lot to teach him. Huh? Yeah, definitely, definitely. He he knew a lot, a lot as well. You know, he had a motor that was consistent, and then when Dungy grabbed hold to him, he was able to build that whole defense around his talent. You know, what was he like to? To, to deal with because you have conflicting well, he's stories. Well, he's a personality. He, You have to love him as a person, but well, not but. However, Warren is kind of wants to – he's going to dominate the conversation and he's going to be the loudest in the room. Uh, and he's a matter of fact. Coming from Yates, I know yeah, you know people exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. He's a matter <laughs> of fact type guy, but you have to have to know him, have to love him. He's a he's an all in you know balls to the wall type character. Yeah, and so yeah, I know some a lot of talent on that team. You know when you talk about uh, they were on the cusp of getting themselves together. Yeah, it just never you know I, I, when I say losers lament, you know you have being able being on championship teams, you start understanding that, for instance, when you fumble that ball on the thirty five, a championship team says, "Hey, let me be the one to make this offense as a defensive player." Let me be the one to make the play to make this offense punt the ball. So even though they got the got the ball and they thought they were going to do something, let's shut them down. The loser's lament says when you had a traditionally losing franchise, when you fumble that ball on the 35, what happens? They said, here we oh, go again. Here we go again, man. We done worked on that all week. Coach said don't fumble the ball. He done fumbled the ball, man. See you next week. But guess what? It's 58 more minutes left in the game. You know? <laughs> Speaking of losers, lament, I yeah. think the Texans will have a little bit of losers. You think uh, in New England? Well, I mean, the fan base certainly does. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, and everybody, this is a great position for the Texans to be in. <laughs> you think? Nobody why? Has, yeah, here's why. Nobody has the expectation that they should or could or do anything to win that game in Foxborough. It's the typical classic David versus Goliath syndrome. So guess what? If you don't have anything to lose and you playing with the house's money, you might as well go on out and create havoc because you're not supposed to do anything anyway. And as that game gets closer to the finish, if the Texans are able to hang close, I mean within the score, late third, fourth quarter, then all of a sudden Goliath or New England and Belichick and all those folks say, man, this game should have been over a long time ago. Except. And this is how I view this. So you remember, and in in this is sort of a, an analogy from another sport. You know how in the in the 
in the NCAA tournament. You might have a team like Georgetown against Princeton, mm-hmm. and they would they would you know they would kind of the game. It would be a close game, or and, and later on we start seeing these teams get upset. But like a team that they were supposed to blow out, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that team's in because they're not making free throws. They turn over the football. You know who that didn't happen to usually? Never happened to Duke. Never happened to North Carolina because yeah. they they safeguard against that. And where I think some teams could be susceptible to that, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen with a Bill Belichick well, team. I, I, I don't know. I will say Bill Belichick is one of the most coaches that I respect in the NFL, and he's but, on a strong team. You know, that being said, he's been in one of the weakest divisions for the forever. whole existence, right. you know? So – you know, my, my whole thing is if you make it to the fourth quarter, you're okay. Now, can they make it to the fourth quarter is the big question. No, is the short answer. But let me ask you this about Belichick, since we're talking about him as a coach. He has really hauled some some veterans. He, he's dogged out all his guys from Richard Seymour to Ty Law to, to you name it. And the guys are disposable in a way that they're not disposable in, on any other team. And I know everybody's disposable in the NFL. But in New England, no matter what you've done, who you are, it doesn't even matter. There's only one guy that's going to stay on that team no matter what, and that's Tom Brady. Do you feel a certain way about a guy like Belichick and that you know that this is – you're almost an, a mercenary if you go in there because it, it, you're not playing for the team. You're just playing for well, – you're you, not even playing for him. You're yeah, you know, for I, I think he's all about the business of football, and the f- business of football is a ugly business. The interesting thing about it, even those names you say, you very rarely hear anybody speak anything of indifference to about Belichick. You had Randy Moss, who he only kept for a year, which was notably <laughs> one of the best receivers to ever play in a New England uniform. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. And Moss – Put up record numbers. Put up record numbers. And when you ask Moss, he loves him some Bill Belichick. So to me, that's interesting. Like, they either uh, people either understand the dynamic and they understand the the experience going through New England and it was all worth the run with them being there. I, I'll just look at it like if I'm a free agent, I, I'm not, I do not want to play for this guy yeah. because there's no – there's no loyalty there, and I know that's well, an you know, overrated word. And some, and some word. people might say, oh, "Well, what are you playing for?" <laughs> because you're playing one some one side would say you're playing for the financial benefits and the gratitude, and another guy would say I'm playing playing for the ring. So I if, think essentially, and maybe I'm wrong, and I know that the dynamic, the higher up the ladder you climb in a sport, mm-hmm. the dynamic changes. But I really believe, I honestly believe this, and maybe this speaks to my personality. I think, especially on defense, you are playing for the guys that go out there and go to war with you yeah. and for the guys in the locker room. Because, again, the money's the money. Yeah. And if you're just playing for money, we've seen guys be it's not gonna last terribly long. unsuccessful it's not gonna playing last for just the money. Yeah. I, I think you have to have a – you have to feel a responsibility to the guy next to you. A- am I wrong about that? Because yeah, I mean you're right. Money just doesn't last long. I mean, I had the opportunity to sign with a team, uh, Jacksonville, when I in the prime of my free agency, and they were offering me almost twice as much as Green Bay. And I dare to say, if I if I'd done that, you may not invite me here right now. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> I got to tell Eddie Robinson, you always invited. <laughs> yeah, we I still that. have you. So it's one of those things, you know, but, but even back to Belichick, you know, um, uh, one of his DBs was talking to, uh, talking about him on camera last month. He's on TV with uh, Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison. Uh, Rodney Harrison who plays, yeah, San Diego, then New England. Yeah, then New England. And 
this about size it up. When you talk about a guy that's coaching everybody, Rodney Harrison said his first day in training camp, his first meeting, uh, New England had lost in the divisional playoffs the the year prior to. So the first meeting in training camp, when the whole team is there, 87, 100 guys, whoever's there, Belichick turns off the film, turns on the playoff game from the year before, and starts coaching who? Tom Brady on the, his mishaps, his miscues, and what he didn't do right in the playoff game the year before. So, and let me say this as an NFL player, there are not enough quarterbacks with skin is thick enough to where I'm going to allow you to coach me in front of everybody in that manner. But that sets the tone for everybody because you sit down and you say, hey, if this man is about to coach Tom Brady like that in front of everybody, I know I better have my P's and Q's together. But it's almost like you're playing for the mob or something because he <laughs> has guys up there afraid to talk. You know, you have guys. How do you – I mean, you talk about egos and the alpha males in any NFL locker room, and he has guys afraid to talk to the media. I couldn't – I don't I don't know. I mean, I couldn't – I mean, I, th- I think he gets I the job done. I don't know. I think he figures out Man, a way to get the job done, and he gets it done. I mean, could you have been like – we're just going to go out there where it's all about the game, the next game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, could you have been that kind of guy? Man, I think so. If, <laughs> if I'm, I'm going to get that ring, I sure could. All right, coach. But sure. you got the ring a different way. Yeah, yeah. C- compare from what you've heard of Belichick, compare him to Mike Holmgren. Oh, wow. You know what? Because Holmgren was a very fiery guy. He was a fiery guy. You know, you know. I'm going to have to com- – I think you got more compared and contrast in the two. You know, it's to me, they the attention to detail – their love of the game plan. You know, I think you have some coaches that love the game plan. When the Texans went into New England earlier this year, I said they were going to have a hard time without Tom Brady because you got some coaches that it doesn't matter if Santana's hurt or Tom Brady is out. They love to say, hey, what matchups can we exploit? and make this work. Then you have some coaches that get in front of the camera and say, well, you know, we don't have Tom Brady out there this week. We don't have, you know, we don't have Santana. We don't have our running back. So we're going to have a hard time. Your job is to coach. You coach who's out there. You know, another coach in point, case in point, Andy Reid. He loves the X's and O's. So when you watch KC, they're going to be prepared. (laughs) And I always love to watch Kansas City play because they're looking at they're always looking at the tactical part of it. How can I exploit the matchup? By the way, I, that's player? my Super Bowl pick uh, going into the playoffs Kansas in the City. AFC, Kansas City. Yeah, uh, but let, let, I want to get back in, a little bit uh, into talking uh, a little bit about, about Belichick in this way. He, more than any coach that I, I mean, by far more than any other coach that I can think of, he changed so drastically changed his game plan week to week. It's unbelievable. How he, how much he changed? Because say, even with Green Bay, yeah, Green Bay may not. Obviously, they may not have a running game, mm-hmm. so they're forced to pass. But they're not gonna just dramatically like go two tight ends and you look up and and Richie Rogers has you know yeah. ten catches for that just for that game or a game where a running back may have twenty five carries and then the next week he has three. Mm-hmm. You, I've never seen anything quite like that. Have you? No, he's very, I mean, they are very detailed in what they do and interesting in the different sets they run, the different formations they run. 
it's almost like you have to be prepared of a little for a little bit of everything, you know. You know, again, it's interesting. You even look at the situation, like I said, in Green Bay. They haven't had they lost their first two running backs, but they found a way to get some type of a running game, to get some type of a passing system. So even where, you know, a lot of times it's not so much handing the ball off, but the quick pass and things like that to get the ball out the hand out of the quarterback's hand but keep the offense in the rhythm. Quickly, I want to ask you about the Texans before we move on to, to – I want to move to the Dallas game, obviously. Mm-hmm. the Probably the marquee matchup, especially – I mean, this America's team, and yeah. everybody's anxious to see. Which, again, I uh, – in this one record, I despise uh, Dallas, anything Dallas-related. When I go north of Madisonville, I have motion sickness. I don't do well with that. I don't do Dallas. But So let, let's – Jadavion Clowney, I want to ask you about him. Yeah. Jadavion Clowney – I have sort of kept hope alive through the first few years and saying that he can be this kind of guy. I mean, what's your real true opinion of, of what he's done? Because you can appreciate his run defense yeah. more, than a, more than a public. Being an interior de- defensive mm-hmm. lineman, you, you, you can appreciate what he does against the run. And you can critique his game in a way that, that most people can't because you were a D lineman. Definitely. Well, you know, I, I think uh... – Phenomenal is the way the word I would use to describe Jadavion Clowney and his play. First things first is you have to be healthy. So he's gotten back healthy and on the field. He had a year, year and a half with a microfracture surgery, and I think uh, a lot of his critics got down on him and hard on him. Secondly, I don't think the coaches were in his best interest in the beginning of his career when he got back healthy. And I say that because Jadavion was playing three, four different positions on the front seven, and he's a rookie trying to get caught up again to the speed of the NFL. And a lot of times you're playing him at left tackle, left outside linebacker, right outside linebacker, right tackle. And that's not helping a young guy get up to, to the speed. You know, do you think they just had too much of a good thing and they didn't know how to use? I think it? they didn't know how to use, and they were real excited. You got somebody that's I'm six five, he's six seven, and two hundred eighty pounds, and runs like a gazelle. So I think you had a lot of exuberance with the staff that says we can put him here, we can put him there, right. we can you know. But are you doing what's best for him or what's put best him for running the back like that's JJ? Running, yes, put him. And with that J.J. injury, with J.J.'s injury, what happened was they said, look, we need a playmaker on this front line. So we're going to put your hand in the dirt. We're going to put you down, allow you to rush, and you stay right there. And once he caught up with the speed of the game, he just wreaked havoc. So let me ask you this about J.J. Mm -hmm. The defense is playing much, much better, and that could be for a number of reasons, Uh, if anything from scheduling to, to just the fact that, you know, uh, their opponents play into their yeah. strengths or whatever. What, however you want to look at it. A, do you think J.J. Watt can come back? Without being a doctor and knowing exactly how bad his injury is, do you think he could ever come back to that next level? Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I, I felt like he came back way too early when you start talking about a back. But and see, sometimes and I, but, you, have to, you have to save players from themselves. But this is what I say about the back. That's different. If it was any other, if it was knee or shoulder or something, I would say – yeah, but with a back, you can feel like, bam, I'm 100%. I'm ready to go. And then something, an odd motion, and you, and you right back at square yeah, one. Yeah, well, exactly. So you got to know that with your $100 million player and say, okay, J.J., I know you're used to playing 70 snaps a game, but we're going to give you 17 till we get to the bye. And I, I know you feel good. 
for the same reason you say it. I know you feel good, <laughs> but you are still in rehab mode and get strong, strengthening mode. So we're going to ease you into it. So that's why I think he came back too early. Because as the player, trust me, as a player, that's no thing I want to do but play and be out there for not my paycheck, but the guys next to me. So I think he came back too early. Now where we go from here is I think we take our time, give him a full year, let him rehab, and slowly introduce him to the system. Because backs are real serious. You know, parts. Oh, what I've learned see. is parts of the body that don't bleed, your, your, your hips, your backs, you know, those tendons, um, when it's hard to get that blood flow, then you got some long-term effects that, you know, it could be affected long-term. So say he comes back 100%. Mm-hmm. Does, will that stunt Jadavion Clowney's growth? I mean, can they coexist? Yes. And because it could be subtraction by addition in this situation. Yeah. You know, I I, I think uh, what you do is you put them opposites. You know, whether it's right, left, or let them switch sides or whatever, you always keep them at opposites. So you've got, you know, as far as as far as your blocking scheme, your center is always going to swing one way. So if he's going to swing to JJ, then that means Jadavion's going to be blocked by tight ends and running backs. If he goes to vice versa, if they swing towards Jadavion. So let the let the offense dictate who's going to be freed up, mm-hmm. and I'll meet you at the quarterback. Now, and my last question about the Texans, because I don't think Romeo Cornell gets enough credit. Yeah, and I'm sorry we did not say Marcellus. Uh, Merciless. Merciless. We did not talk about Whitney Merciless at all, and I think he is the, probably one of the most underrated pass rushers and he in almost the NFL. Was, he was this close yeah. to being out of the league, or at least somewhere else. Yeah. Because I, he just he had not lived up to the expectations. Yeah. Romeo Cornell doesn't get a lot of credit. It doesn't seem like Bill O'Brien, from the reports you hear, is a good fit here from a personality standpoint. How do you feel? Do you think he can – how long will you think he'll be here? Because I don't think – I think Kubiak was the kind of guy and Capers was the kind of guy that Bob McNair, he he could deal with that personality, play right into the organization's personality. O'Brien is much more abrasive. He's certainly much more controlling. He's certainly much more confrontational. Mm-hmm. And you hear the rumors and the, the, the disputes with Brock Osweiler and with Rick Smith. And the rumors were if they lost last week, he would have been gone. McNair says no. Isn't it interesting? As soon as he wins, they come out with that statement that it yeah, was, but it if was they just lose, it was yeah. just a false rumor. Why would you say that on Friday night when it was a rumor all week? Right. Why, why would you wait till after the victory? That's, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think <coughs> I think what, what we're talking about here is a whole team effect, and you know, a team does not only consist of the fifty three guys that are playing, but the GM has to have a great rapport with the head coach, and the president or the owner has to have a great rapport with the GM. And winning fixes all those things if you're winning. Yeah. You know, so somehow, but somewhere. somewhere in the organization, they have to realize you're in the absolute worst division. Mm-hmm. And, and you have this quarterback, quote-unquote, guru who's gone through nine different quarterbacks. Nobody can seem to master your offense. And if it's not if not for Romeo Cornell in the number one defense in the NFL. That's very true. I mean, they scored 23 offensive touchdowns. You know who that? That's tied for last with the Los Angeles Rams. Wow. With Case Keenum. Yeah. So this is not this is not a a a, a good offensive team. Mm-hmm. And you spent a lot of money. Well, you to, know what? I think there. I think the elephant in the room is two things. I, I agree with uh, some parts of what you're saying, um, and also the offensive line. I think the offensive line is really 
they played horrendous this year. You know, um, if when you start looking at a team that is they're inefficient in being able to run the ball inside the ten yard line, that we got a six eight quarterback that can make every throw on the field, but if you look at him, is unable to stand in the pocket. I've seen him miss throws. Though. No, he I've seen him. Not, I mean, like not be able to make throws, and that's why I, I lost will say my that faith. That too. I also have seen. I also have seen <laughs> him get hit in the chest on plays when he's dropping back to pass. When the defensive lineman got back there so fast that I thought it was a screen or a draw. As somebody that has played <laughs> the, the whole late block, yeah, that it, they've got there so so fast as far as our, the three techniques and being able to get back there so fast over our guards that. I thought I said, man, that had to be a screen. Did the back not get out? You know, yeah. you know. So, you know, I think there's enough to go around, but we really need to focus on that offensive line issue, and also, you know, who's who's making the play call. And there's some merit to what you said. Okay, he has had nine quarterbacks. Three or four of them came from when he was quarterback coach at New England. So somewhere there's got to be an agreement. You know, Oswaller missed some throws. I think that, you know, the fan base has been too rough on him this year. Well, and I, I think, think that's that, all about the money. I think, I, I think it's the money, and I also think the expectation because we've been to the playoffs the last three years, two years. Two years. Three out of what was it? Three, three out of last four. four. So we've been a consistent playoff team, quote unquote, and it's been the rumor has always been if only we had a quarterback, right. we'd be so much better. So we do have a quarterback, but it takes patience. You know, I tell I say that to say Aaron Rodgers, if you look back at his first year starting, Tom Brady's first year starting. If you look back at Aaron Rodgers, well, first year starting, Bowl. first year starting Aaron Rodgers, I was like, ah, uh, just I don't think we got. And rid he of, was under immense pressure yeah, succeeding. We got rid of Brett for this. We could have kept Brett for two, three more years, and we did this for that. I don't know. So it takes just like we talked about started talking about Jadavion. It takes some time for you to catch up to speed of what these NFL defenses and offenses are doing. So Green Bay, Green Bay. I, it's hard for me to get excited about them, but I do on on one level, I I do think that their chance to beat Dallas comes from the fact that they can put up points mm-hmm. and make Dallas. If you can make Dallas pay, play from behind, mm-hmm. and now Rogers play had got off to a rough start in the first half, didn't play particularly well. I don't think that if they do, if he comes out and plays that kind of way in the first half this week, they will lose. I think they have to get off to a, a faster start and really kind of sort of limit the dependency uh, the Cowboys can have on the running game because they're trying to play catch-up. Give me your well, formula I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for I'm going to give you the other side of it because I believe that uh, I, I believe that Aaron Rodgers can score enough points to beat Dallas. I do too. My biggest issue or concern with that game is uh, Green Bay's running defense. The Giants aren't really a running team. So they were able to control the running game with the Giants. Dallas wants to be physical and run the ball. So for us to be in that game, uh, Green Bay's run defense has to show up. You know, and that's the tall water. And that's but the tall order. again, you if you get off to that quick start and and, and really kind of when you saw it in the national championship game last night, uh, uh, and, and that's an aside. But you want the, the formula was to make the quarterback have to throw, mm-hmm. and the only way you can do that is a Stop the run on first down. Yeah. Uh, Elliott averaging this season 5.7 yards on first downs. Yes. And if you do that, Dak Prescott can sit back and, and life is, is – mm-hmm. he will have a pina colada in his hand. Yeah. Life is easy. Exactly. So so I think, I think from that standpoint, you know, I think Aaron, they, they have to get off to that quick start. The big loss, and I worry about this, and you know more than I do, Jordan Nelson 
You can say what you want. I don't think he's going to play with those two, at least two fractured ribs. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what that plan is for that. You know, I, I've seen more happen than you would believe, but I, I it's hard to I shoot think, that I up, think it's though, a, right? It's a, it's a hard task. Uh, it's not just shooting it up. A lot of times, there's like a little <laughs> flak jack, jacket that I've seen guys wear when they've had cartilage tears and things like that. So they'll probably do that. But when you're talking about a wide receiver that has to jump, run, and and tackle, and breathe. It makes it rough, you know. They say if you um, hurt those ribs, it's hard. It yeah. just hurts to breathe. You know, but, uh, you know, again, and a lot of times it's if you can go, how much can you give us? They're already at the bottom of their roster, so it might be something that they put him up, and he's just that guy for a little bit to to for the Cowboys defense to adjust to, you know, to see how they're going to adjust. Almost like a decoy. If we can get you to run nine routes and deep outs, you know, things like that. Because you get Randall Carr back, and you say, well, now, boy, we are really firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. And then a quarter later, two quarters later, you lose Jordan Nelson. Exactly. It it makes it rough. But they've done it all year. You know, I I mean, I think it's been phenomenal just even at the running back position, just with Montgomery, the things he's done, uh, just kind of turned into a running back to get some efficient running back. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I say this. The best performing teams throughout the year has been Dallas and New England. That's why they have the one seed. The hottest teams right now, in my opinion, are Green Bay and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either one of those teams have any inkling or apprehension about going on the road and winning a game, whether it's from Foxborough or Jerry's World. And, yeah. and again, so give me your your prediction on, on that game. I mean, because again, we not, I guess I didn't get a prediction on the Houston game. It's a foregone conclusion. But you had a foregone conclusion. Well, I, didn't say that. I, I mean, didn't you say missed that. the optimism. You missed the sunshine yeah, exactly. with the Texans. But give me a you know, give me a, a number, a number on that game. You want a number on, on the, the Houston on game the, and then the, the Green game. Bay game. On the Houston game, I'm going to say Houston with a late field goal, and we're going to get 23 to 20. Wow. I cannot believe. Like I told Eddie Robinson, man, I'm trying to get. I want. 20. Hey, look, I'm trying to get credibility with this podcast. I'm I'm losing listeners as you speak, man. 30. People have to believe what we say, man. I'm telling you, man. I'm I, telling you. I think I, I think the Texans will get seven points, and I think uh, New England can can name the score. Seven I, points. Yeah, I don't think I don't. I think it's a blowout. Although I, I, you know, last time out. I, what what was his rating? I just looked up his 27 rating. Twenty seven nothing was the score. No, I know night. that, but his quarterback rating was twenty nine or something. Combined, the two quarterbacks, Bissett and 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 Osweiler, combined didn't have a a hundred point uh, quarterback rating. Uh, I, I I just Lamar Miller had eighty yards rushing. I just don't think that. Aside from that, what they'll do is the one thing you'll have to do is you'll take away Hopkins, which the Texans themselves do a good enough job at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think whatever Fuller does, if he does anything, it won't amount to a whole lot. I just don't see where the points are, are going to come from. So I think seven, Houston seven, uh, New England 35. Woo. Yeah, I, I, I just goodness. have no – faith in what they can do. And again, the first person they're going to take out of the defense is the Davion Clowney. Now, who else is going to be the guy to step up? And, merciless. Gotta be boy, merciless. it'll have to be merciless. Or, or, or they can take one or the other out. Mm-hmm. And, and the other one will have an opportunity to make some plays, but can that, you know, that person... Well, you know, I just look at it, they don't have Gronk. They don't have, they don't have Gronk. Uh, if you find a way to contain, I think the big thing defensively is containing Edelman. Because that's one of his favorite slot receivers. If he can contain Edelman, then we'll, they'll be I able think to do they something. Get, they, they'll run. Blunt had a great game against the Texans the last time 
I, I think early in the season, especially the Texans, uh, more susceptible to to the. Yeah, I think man. I feel like they. Yeah, I feel like the run defense has gotten better. Where I it mean, needs it to has be. every aspect of the defense has. Mm-hmm. Dallas Green Bay, give me a score there. Uh, thirty-one twenty-seven Green Bay. So what? What I'm trying to figure this thing out because I really cannot figure the Cowboys out. I, I don't know what to think of a team that's never played, uh, in the, in the playoff. This that we're being led by guys who've never. Your your two best players are guys who've never played in the playoffs and a rookie quarterback. Well, that. I mean, they yeah. Think about Dak and uh, Ezekiel, man. They're forging and still. Um, the fact that they are rookie. The big question is when you take them out of something they're used to doing. What's the cause and effect, or what effect will that have on the game? Nobody has been able to take them out of what they enjoy doing, which is hard smash mouth run downhill running, and play action to their slot and tight end. Even Des Bryant's numbers are down, but they're winning. So if you can keep their defense, I think they're offensively they're ahead of where we thought they would be. Defensively, they're still a little suspect. Hey, uh, Claiborne comes back. Uh, Claiborne comes back off of injury, so they're getting a little bit more healthy. I think they can be outscored. Yeah. I don't think that it'll happen this week, although I would love to see it. I just think that offensive line is doing too good of a job. And like you said, the run defense for Green Bay mm-hmm. will be tough. So I will say I'm not going to give Dallas a lot of points. I'll say 24-21. I'll go Cowboys over Green Bay. I want to ask you about the other NFC game. This is a very intriguing matchup because, you know, nobody buys into Atlanta. It's almost like the L.A. Clippers. Like, you know, they're, they're good. But, I, you know, do you buy into them at all? And I, for the longest, I said no matter what, Seattle was going to go. But with Earl Thomas going down, with even with all those superstars on defense, they just seem to have too many lapses uh, on the defensive side. And although they ran the ball well last week at home, will that running game – they haven't consistently been able to run the ball. Will that running game travel with them unto Atlanta? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Seattle just because what they've been able to do statistically and traditionally, defensively, and with their running game. Atlanta, it's brand new to them, and their defense is average at best, really. Offensively, they are in the stratosphere as far as points scored and what they've been able to do. They've got a two running back attack. They've got Julio Jones, which is a grown man running four twos. And they, you know, they have a system and a quarterback that loves to spread the ball around. Um, but what Seattle does is they they have a defense that travels well. And I think they're used to their battle tested. Yeah, they're but they find a way. Earl, man. It's gonna be tough. I they offensively they're not good enough to win a shootout. And as much as I want Seattle to win, I think Atlanta's gonna win that game. Yeah. At home. Yeah, well, I'm 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 gonna give it I'm gonna give it Seattle, 27-24. See, I I just think they struggled, and again, that's my favorite team these days. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that they fall short. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say thirty to twenty. I just don't think that Seattle can put up enough enough points at, on the road. At home, road. I would have took taken Seattle. Yeah. Uh, final of the final four. Uh, Kansas City hosts Pittsburgh. Like you said, Pittsburgh, the hottest team right now. But again, the team that I like, the only thing missing is Jamal Charles. And and they and they get a spotty running game, a situational kind of running game. Uh, but I, I really like that defense. That defense mm-hmm. is exciting. The matchup between them and Denver in the regular season, man, that was such. It was awesome. They had two, but the first one was so 
awesome to see those. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was almost like throwback. There was such hard hitting in that game. This is going to be almost like a, uh, a AFC North mm-hmm. game when Pittsburgh takes on Baltimore, uh, Baltimore where it's just no matter who plays, you just just going to be grueling. Yeah, uh, I'm rolling with Kansas City. I think Kansas City is going to the Super Bowl. I just think that defense is good enough, and, and I think they're playing well enough. What are your thoughts? Well, I think if they're going to the Super Bowl, they're going to be flying them, <laughs> flying themselves to Houston because I don't. I'm an Andy Reid fan. I'm a Kansas City fan, but I don't think they're going to have enough to deal with Pittsburgh, a healthy offensive Pittsburgh uh, team uh, this 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 upcoming weekend. Um, just what Le'Veon has been able to do, what he showed me has been incredible. The wide receiver corps, and it's, of course Ben Roethlisberger running the helm. I think it's going to be real tough for them to keep up with Pittsburgh, even if it's in Kansas City. Because, again, Pittsburgh does not mind going win games on the road. Well, in Roethlisberger, he's a little banged up with with the ankle. What do you think of Terry Bradshaw's uh, comments on Tomlin being a cheerleader? Because I thought that he was out of line for that. Yeah, I think he was very out of line. And sometimes you just need to admit that you were wrong and just spoke out of turn. And people respect and appreciate you. For that, I don't know where the quote came from. I don't know why the quote was made. You know, and you don't know the I don't know if it was. I don't know. Right. Pittsburgh I don't know thing. if it was paraphrased or what was going on. But you know, I try not to be a hot spot or too insensitive to, or sensitive for things like that. I, you know, I think uh, Mike Tomlin is probably one of the best things that happened to the NFL coaching tree, as well as one of the best things that happened to Pittsburgh because he's a quality coach, and he is typically in the conversation every year as far as who potentially can be in or get to the Super Bowl. The only time we're not talking about Pittsburgh is because if they have one too many injuries. And those are things you can't do anything about. Well, I'm taking Kansas City in that matchup. I'm going to say 28-27. It's going to be a close game. I think Kansas City wins. It's close. Oh, uh, Pittsburgh 37, Kansas City 28. Uh, well, moving forward, who do you got in the Super Bowl? Who, who's coming in? Oh, wow. I know. Uh, Green Bay. Pittsburgh. You think Pittsburgh goes to New England and wins? I think they go. I will go Kansas City, and if Green Bay can't get it done, and I think Seattle's going to lose, I'm going to say Atlanta, which it sounds bizarre to say, but when you look at how it's laid out. It's because you don't want to say Dallas. Well, I'm not going to say Dallas. <laughs> I, but, 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 you know, aside from my, my bias, yeah. aside from my bias, I really don't believe that a rookie quarterback will be able to get it done. And if they try to stick Romo in there, it'll be – it could make for some really dramatic moments, uh, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Romo will have his hat on all, all for the did, playoffs. What you think of the championship game last night? Oh man, it was awesome! It was awesome. And, and that, um, I heard some criticism of old oh, Saban stuck with the the freshman quarterback too long. Hey man, the guy got you in the end zone with a, with two minutes left. If your defense can't hold, you're not the number one team in the that, country. That's what kills me about some folks. It's you know, it's that that woulda, shoulda, coulda that some media aficionados love to, to lead with. Um, you had a, a first of all, the game was outstanding. It went down. Well, to it one wasn't second. better than the Rose Bowl in 2005. I don't know. I, I just know it was I outstanding. Well, I mean, because again, you talking about Vince versus yeah. Reggie Bush, and you know, you're talking about he stayed with the quarterback. <laughs> Too long. That's the same quarterback that scored a thirty-yard run, run with two minutes w- left. with two minutes left. So you're a defensive-based team, and you've been a defensive-based team every year you've won. And your defense was on the field, so your defense didn't come up with the plays it took to win the game for you. So 
I don't think Nick Saban has any problem with the way he lost the game because if I'm a defensive-minded coach, I want my defense on the field to make the plays and get us off of there. And Deshaun and Watson did a really good And Deshaun good job. Watson did his thing. And you know what? I mean, and it goes back to if you looked at the route tree and the combination that they ran, their last two touchdowns was Home the peaks. rub <laughs> or was the pick, whatever you want to call it. But you got you allow that to happen once, can't defensive coach. Burn me twice. You can't allow that to happen twice. Okay, we know the refs on calling this, so this is how we need to play this. If they if this happens again and you guys are in this situation, we're gonna do what they call either a tango or in and out thing. Are we gonna get real physical with the pick guy, and we are gonna force them into the situation? Because just if but we, what referee is gonna call that pick? Uh, oh, I've seen uh, it called at, at that one second left on the clock. I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, so it should have been talked about on the sideline. Hey, this is what we can't allow to happen. Saban did kind of go crazy again. after the first one. Yeah, but he probably went all crazy all night. And that's why I respect I respect Saban as a coach because he didn't come out after the game talk about the officials. He didn't mm-hmm. talk about nothing. He said, "Look, I want to respect and thank our seniors because." Blah, blah, blah. They played this many games, won this and many we'll games. And we'll be back next year. And we'll see y'all next year. Uh, well, so many things we can get into we won't. Yeah. about to wrap this thing up. Uh, what do you uh, – how can folks reach out and, and hear from you? Man, you can always hit me and see what's going on with the foundation at Santana. The Santana Dotson Santana Foundation. Foundation at Facebook. Santana Dotson at Twitter. Um we got a lot of stuff going on this upcoming year in Houston. Super for the Bowl. Super Bowl. What are you doing, Super Bowl? Uh, we we have finalizing plans for that, right? Yeah, we're finalizing plans for the Super Bowl over the next couple of weeks, and it all will be posted. Uh, we're going to have a couple of nighttime events, and we'll do some camps for kids. So it'll be a good time. Good time to come to the city and have a good time. I mean, this is going to be all white. I mean, I know you no, do, the all, do all the all white. We're not going to all black. Oh, it's the cream, crimson and cream, or whatever. It's just going to be all party, man. It's going to be like the all I know you send folks to the gallery before they come to your Sometimes you have to go shopping just you know that's that's for the ladies though you know ladies like the little stylish lavish stuff you know you can't show up in pajamas all the time man don't well, I mean, i'm too old for pajamas, you know so. i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> gotta put on a collar what you been, man what you been watching you put, man? what you been put listening your, to put your quarter in the penny loafers what have i been listening yeah, to yeah what you been what you been watching because oh, you know man. we always do something with entertainment yeah, uh, yeah, we did the, the black exploitation trivia. I might have to set you up with some black exploitation trivia next time. Uh, what, what 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 you been listening to? What you been watching? Well, I, what I've been watching is cr- <laughs> crazy. I've been binging on Netflix, and I've been watching. I went from Daredevil, which is outstanding. I'm telling y'all, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Net- is that the, the series, one with the, the lady? Series, the series. The lady, though, right? Yeah. Is it a lady? No, it's not a lady. Okay, all right. So go from Daredevil. To Jessica Jones. To Jessica Luke. Jones was the woman. That's there you the go, woman. was a woman. Right. To Luke Cage. I watched the first couple of episodes of Luke Cage. That yeah. was that, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. I, I mean, it's well, football Cottonmouth, season. Cottonmouth did some acting on that, did you? And then he's in the other thing, won a bunch of awards. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he did. I need to check that yeah. out. Yeah, he, he. I seen him in something else as well. So yeah, uh, that that's cool. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been sick, and I told you instead of binge watching Netflix, I went a different direction. So what'd you do? Game Show Network. Game Match show. Game 1977. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible, man. Hey, no, you know what? I'm directing um, I'm directing a short play coming up this weekend. And they said, well, hey, give us your your, comp, your the name for your comp. We're going to comp you. Uh, you know, you get a complimentary ticket for, you know, guests or whatever. Uh-huh. 
Let, left it for Walona Woods. Not for Walona. <laughs> Walona. <laughs> He's still looking for Walona. <laughs> hey, hey nah, man, I'm just, and I don't think they caught it. That's how you know you get you old. Know, they didn't catch they the show. They didn't catch it up. Man, and I had to tell the actors, they Google Walona Woods. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get it. They're like, huh? What? Yeah. Well, like I said, man, I appreciate you coming by. We, I didn't get in the Baylor. I want to talk about the uh, the chicken bleep, Bob Stoops, and how he went after Joe Mason. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but we didn't get into all of that. But we will next it's time. always next time. Always yeah. next time, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I had thanks a good time so much. I want to remind you guys, iTunes, tune in. And, of course, on SoundCloud. Give us your feedback so you know, so I know what you like. want to say hello to Scottstown, Ohio. Uh, let's see. A surprise, Arizona and Chicago, Illinois. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And, again, tweet me at Wade's Word. Let's talk with Devin Wade Page and group. Hey, thanks so much for listening. And, hey, please tell a friend.